Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. Today, that's why I wanted to give you the sheet in case you don't write them down, you can take them home with you. Paul said, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block that's the word scandalon, to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, the word stumbling block is the word scandalon. It's where we get our word scandal. Scandal. A lot, of, a lot of scandalous things happening in our culture today. All you got to do is watch the news and read the newspapers. I actually picked up, if you want to call it a newspaper, could not believe it was $4.99 when I bought it. I'm thinking, this is a newspaper. And this is the Inquirer. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually embarrassed going into Winco buying one. I thought to myself, if somebody sees me buying this, they're going to think, is that Bob Trump behind the inquirer? <laughs> you know what I did? I went through the line, I bought one, and then I went to the self-checkout so nobody would see me. <laughs> but this whole thing is built on scandals, you know, and lies, basically. Some little truths, kind of like what the devil does. It's like a demonic newspaper, you know, he has a little bit of truth and then he twists it. I mean, look at the front page. Obama and Hillary ordered FBI to spy on Trump. Well, I guess that is true. (laughs) At the bottom it says, it's worse than Watergate. It's worse than Watergate. Oh, my gosh. And then then I opened it up and and I read it. Okay, here we go. Mariah, satanic sex shocker. Oh, my gosh. Singer, part of kinky cult bent on bloody animal sacrifice. Are you kidding me? I mean, serious. I can't wait to read that when I get home, you know. Um, Reba's new love hides booze and drug shame. I mean, isn't that all of Hollywood? Anyway, pretty much. Oh, I love this one. Cops blunder freed Jean Benet murderer. Can somebody tell me how many years ago that happened, actually? And it's still actually in there? You know, and I'm sure there's a story in here about, you know, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, you know. Um, Angelina, what's her name? I don't even know, and I don't even care. But um, to be honest with you, um, I mean, it's, it's absolutely crazy, but it's just scant. Oh, here it is. Angie and kids lock Brad out. Scandalous. Scandalous. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Maybe we'll have a burning party afterwards so we can just burn that downstairs after lunch. (laughs) You know, you think about all the other scandals that happen in the sports world. You know, Tiger Woods, the greatest golfer. I mean, he's a real player, right? Uh, Politicians. I mean, if I hear, I never even knew what the word collusion was before this last year. Collusion. I mean, Russia, Russia, Russia. You got to be kidding me. I mean, it's just crazy. And, you know, if you watch the news these days, and and we're watching less and less of it, one of the reasons is I'm just kind of sick of paying for cable, you know what I mean? And there's all these other things you can put on your TVs to watch stuff. 
But, you know, the, the scandals of this world are just crazy, and we've built a culture around it. I'm tired of it. The scandal on or the scandal of the cross actually offends us. It forces us what to believe. Remember, Paul prayed last week in the scripture we talked about, he prayed that we would have the power to understand the love of God. The power to understand the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length. So the question is, what kind of Messiah is he? Yes, God is love, but it seems that God has, you know, in, in the, the tone of Ashley Judd, a nasty streak. Some of you has got that. I mean, he sent the flood, killed people. I mean, he, he incinerate, incinerated Sodom and Gomorrah. Shouldn't he be more tolerable of their lifestyles? What about the Egyptian babies, firstborns killed? So we got this whole conflict going on. Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament mean God. New Testament, we're supposed to believe God is love. And we get this schizophrenic view of, view of who God is. Who is God really? Hmm. And then a, a lot of theologians will say, because they don't read the Bible and they don't have any understanding of the scriptures, they'll say, well, it's just a mystery. It's just a mystery. And they'll use it as an excuse. And what about sickness and disease on the world? Didn't God inflict that on, on the people of the world to teach them a lesson? Doesn't God, doesn't God cause us to, to die and, and, and takes us away? Isn't it God's fault that we die tragic deaths? Yes, but I read in the New Testament, God loves me. God loves me, but... Oh, I, oh well, I, I love God. I love Jesus, but I don't know about the Father, right? And so, instead of basking in His grace, we end up worried about His judgment because of lack of understanding. I think probably this is probably one of the most foundational, important teachings in the Scripture this morning. And you'll see on your sheet there. I want to talk about four biblical facts that are going to answer some questions for us this morning about the revelation and the unveiling of who God is through his son, Jesus Christ. Since the fall of man, God has been trying to redeem his people and position the earth and the people on the earth to receive a savior to restore right relationship with his people, which was the original intent of the creation. So the whole Old Testament and Old Covenant was God's plan to prepare people's minds and hearts to receive Jesus Christ, his son, to redeem the world. And if you look at all Old Testament and what God tried to do, the Old Testament, we think judgment and we think destruction and we think killing and evil. That's not what the, even the Old Testament was all about. The Old, Old Testament was about long life and healing. And God wanted to protect and prosper. 
and, give, and provide land and houses that they didn't even build? Are you out there? What about that side of God? And yet God gave, in order to protect them, he gave them Old Testament law. The law was set forth in order to bring protection. God specifically gave them specific instructions for every realm of their lives and relationships and workplace. He said, this is what's going to happen. If you do this, you'll be blessed. But if you don't do this, you'll inflict and invite destruction upon your own life. And God always, always warned them multiple times ahead of time when destru- before destruction came. He would woo them. He would send a king to them. He would send a prophet to warn them multiple times. And over and over again, God's heart was never to see the destruction of his people. He wanted to, them to see, he wanted to see heart change. He wanted to see loyalty to him the creator, the Jehovah, and yet the people rebelled continually. And so we have theologians that have schizophrenic theology. They have schizophrenic thinking. And today what we do is we take that theology and we thrust it upon the New Testament and the New Covenant in fear of God instead of in awe of God. Is that a good description? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is, my, this is my message. And I want to just correct theology that can become so screwed up. The first thing is this. You guys ready to take notes? Anybody got their sheets out? You got your pens out? You ready to go? We got, we got some studious, amazing people in this congregation. Hallelujah. Want to know the word of God? You're going to take these sheets and you're going to study them all week long. You're going to look up the scriptures. You're going to use them in in your devotional because I know that you all get up at five o'clock in the morning and you pray for three hours in tongues. Come on. And you study the Bible and you're hungry for Jesus. Come on. Is anybody out there hungry for Jesus? You're hungry for Jesus like this guy read. It was hungry for that gold medal. How many know the first gold medal won by the Americans was a 17-year-old snowboarder? Hallelujah. I don't know about you, I love the Winter Olympics because, you know, obviously I'm a skier. But, but yeah, it's so cool to see America represented and, and all the things that go on during the Olympics. The, the Olympics are, are an amazing godly event that happens every, every four years. You see North and South Korea walk in the opening ceremonies together with a coat made by America, North Face, which is amazing, Right? North Koreans wearing American coats. And with one word in the back, Korea, they walk in together in a, in a show of unity where like weeks before, they're going to they're gonna shoot missiles at each other, you know? So God can do amazing things. And you know why? Because South Korean, South Korea is a, one of the major Christian nations on the earth. Young Gi Cho, the largest church in America is in South Korea. And from that church, there spawned multiple hundreds of thousands of other churches amongst the South Korean people. You know there are people evangelizing at the Olympics today in Pyeongchang. Thousands of them. People are hearing the gospel and seeing the joy. You may not have seen the Christian influence in the opening ceremonies, which is sad. But believe me, Jesus Christ is represented at the Olympics. 
Amen? God looks at it as an opportunity. I got all these people from all over the world gathered together. What an opportunity. Number one is this. Jesus is the singular word of God. He is the word of God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word is Jesus. Colossians 1.15 says this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So we find out here he is the word of God. He is the image of God. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not through Muhammad, not through Buddha. Can you get to the Father? Can you get to God? The only way to the Father is through Jesus. So we, we see three things. He is the word of God. He is the image of God. And he is the only way. He is the truth and the life. Come on, somebody say amen. He is not one way. He is the way. The only way. And he is the expressed image of God. Secondly, is this, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in him in bodily form. Colossians 2.9 says this, for in Christ, all, somebody say all. All. Come on, somebody shout all. All. Come on, really loud, say all. All. Thank you. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, all, not some. Fullness, not just one side, not just part. His deity, it's not angel-like or divine-like. He is deity. He is the sovereign. Hallelujah. Dwells in him in bodily form. Jesus, the God incarnate. So if you want to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. God could not wait to reveal his son to the earth because he was revealing himself. Proving to the earth his love, his ways, his desires, and his plan for humanity. Number three, Jesus is the visible face of God. Visible face of God. Look at this in in John chapter 14. These scriptures are exciting. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Same thing Brandon talked about. So what does God look like? Well, look at Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to see the Father, look at me. Because I am the face of God. First John chapter 2 and verse 23 says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. And whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. If you got Jesus, you have all of God that you need to get. Everything. He is the full revelation 
Guess what? There is no extra God out there. There ain't no extra God. There ain't anything more than Jesus. And he's enough. As a matter of fact, he's more than enough. He will completely heal you, set you free, and satisfy your soul for the rest of your life and for eternity. Can you imagine? For eternity, we are at baby stages of our growth. But for the next trillion years, you will be learning and continuing to fall in love with Jesus. Amen? And it will never get boring. You will never be bored in heaven. Hallelujah. So if you're bored now, then you need to stir yourself up. Because for the next trillion, zillion years, you are going to be falling in love with Jesus every day. More and more and more and more. It is unlimited. Unlimited love. That's how much he loves you. Hallelujah. But in our mind, we just can't comprehend it. In our humanity, we can't comprehend it. Second Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Displayed in the face of Christ. Now here's the most scandalous one. Are you ready? Number four. Somebody say scandalous love. The most scandalous is number four. Jesus, are you ready? Trumps all, and I didn't pick that just for the word trump, but Jesus trumps all previous revelations. I know you're looking at it thinking, hmm, okay, what does that mean? Well, he said it himself. Let's, let's look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5 and verse 36 says, I have, Jesus said this, I have testimony weightier than that of John. Talk about his cousin, John the Baptist. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing testify that the Father has sent me. Now, We believe that the whole Bible is inspired by God and God inspired men to write it. But today in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, even in this age that we live in, we know more about God than Moses did. Why? Because the Bible is progressive revelation. Hallelujah. God continues because God continues to unveil his love towards us and it gets greater and greater and greater the more we live on. Greater revelation, greater understanding. As Paul prayed, I pray that you have the power to understand his love and continue to keep understanding it. Continue to grow in that revelation of who God is and what God means to you and how much he loves you. But here Jesus says, my testimony is weightier than John. And Jesus actually called John the greatest prophet. So what does that mean? That means the testimony of Jesus is actually greater than any of the Old Testament prophets. Are you out there? So therefore, not every verse in the Bible has equal authority for all time. 
The, the Old Testament was given to us to teach us lessons in our life. There's wisdom there. Stories, testimonies of things we should do and things we shouldn't do. Yet as New Testament Christians, we live and we feed off of the, the New Testament letters of Paul and John. That's where we find our doctrine from. Even the Gospels were written under the Old Covenant, projecting a new and living way towards the New Covenant. And everything in the Old Testament, including the law that was given, pointed towards Jesus, who became the fulfillment of the law. The law was given to show the people that they needed a Savior because it was impossible for them to fulfill the law. Amen? It showed them the need for Jesus. Through types and shadows, it all pointed to the Savior that they all needed. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 1. Let's read this. I want to give you a few more scriptures because you're all looking at me kind of funny. Proving you some New Testament stuff here. Hebrews 1 in verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Hallelujah. Whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom also he made the universe. Jesus was and is and will always be. He has no beginning and no end. The son, look at this is the radiance of God's glory. That's awesome. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And that's where he is today sitting down at the right hand of the majesty forever making intercession for you and I. Love that. So he spoke to us by his son. Now the Old Testament does not give us a clear representation of his character. In Jesus, we witness the heart of God. It says here, it says, and whom he appointed heir of all things and glory and the exact representation. The word representation means character. Character, the exact character of his being. He is the absolute essence of God. God is love and Jesus alone is the one and true God. When you get to know Jesus You get to know the Father. You get to know the Spirit. Hallelujah. The Son's revelation trumps all Old Testament revelation. Matthew chapter 11, a couple other scriptures here. Matthew chapter 11 says in verse 27, all things have been committed to me by my Father, Jesus said. No one knows the Son except the Father, And no one knows the Father except the Son 
and those to whom the Son chose to reveal him. So it says, no one knows the Father. Including the people who wrote the Old Testament. Today, we know the Father. Today, we have relationship with the Father. Today, because of Jesus and by his blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, we can access the throne room of heaven and have face-to-face fellowship with the Father in the throne room. His blood made a new and living way to access the throne room of God and to hear God's voice personally for ourselves. Today in the new covenant, we don't need a prophet or a priest to tell us what to do and tell us the, what the, the, word, the, the, um, the will of God is for our lives. We hear for ourselves. You don't need to come to me to find out what the will of God is for your life, or your pastor or a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist. We all individually have been given the right and the privilege to have philos, friendship with God, to have romantic and passionate relationship with God and to come before him because of the blood of Jesus. He sees us covered in the blood because Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world and where we were supposed to go to hell, he took our place in hell for us. Thank God we don't have to go there. Can you say amen? Our place is in the throne room of heaven. And we have been given the privilege as sheep to hear his voice and to block out the voice of the stranger who tries to steal, kill, and destroy from us. God, according to the New Testament and the New Covenant, the Gospels, has a good plan for our lives. Amen? All the Old Testament promises belong to us plus more because the book of Hebrews says that we now live under a better covenant with better promises. So if you think about all the things that were promised in the Old Testament, it's better now. Hallelujah. Better health, better prosperity, better relationships, better success in life. In the Old Testament, you think about it, God said, if you want to be successful, meditate on the word day and night and do according to what's written and you'll have success. How much more does God want you to have success now? that you're part of his family, that you're not just servants and slaves, you are sons and daughters. Hallelujah. We became family. He's the heir and we become co-heirs with him. And everything that is in heaven, because he's our father, we have access to, it belongs to us. Come on, I'm getting excited this morning. You should be excited. It belongs to you. So Get rid of your poverty mentality because riches belong to you. Get rid of the acceptance of sickness and disease because health, not just healing, health belongs to you. Hello? It belongs to you. It is your privilege. It is your right because you are part of the family of God. So access it. Ask for it. Go for it and stop settling for second best. You're a child of God. You are royalty. You belong to the sovereign family of heaven, his majesty. And you have become, like Sibylle said, kings and priests of the most high. Hallelujah. All the pomp and circumstance belongs to you. You think that Queen Elizabeth has one up over you? She doesn't. Hallelujah. Can you imagine how long that lady's living? It's amazing. Unbelievable. Anyway, they've been married 70 years. Talk about a, a, 
a legacy. But you know what? She's got nothing on you. Actually, she's a Christian, so I I think we'll see her in heaven. But you know what? You'll get to ride in her gold carriage with her on the way to church. Can you imagine getting in and say, hey, move over, Elizabeth. I'm riding with you. Because guess what? We're equal, baby. I like that diamond necklace. Can I have that? Thank you. And Jesus said, hey, I got one for you too. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, look at all the diamonds and the silver and the gold on the streets. I actually paved the streets with them. Plenty. 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 Get rid of that, that lack mentality. Hallelujah. Stop living on barely get along street. Get that out of your mind. There's so much that God has given us. So much. John chapter 1 and verse 17. Look at this. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ came through God. So we're not under the law anymore. He was the fulfillment of the law. Grace and truth came through him. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. The expressed exact image of God. Only in Christ do we really get a true revelation of God. It's what the law could not do. Could not do. Jesus even repudiated, big word, thank you, repudiated the Old Testament. You ready? I'm not saying it's not valuable. New Testament says it was given to us as an example so we can learn from it because it always pointed towards Jesus. So, man, some of the richest books uh, of the Psalms and Proverbs are amazing. It, it, in the Old Testament, it carries the, the historical evidence that we were not crawling out of a pond somewhere that we were born from Adam and Eve and they were the original people God created on the earth. The whole lineage of the world is recorded in the Bible. Hallelujah. You would think if Darwin would have read that, we wouldn't be so screwed up today. Hello? It is documented. There's no gaps in between. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, because I know you're excited. You want to hear one more scripture? Are we ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38. It says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. What's that? Old Testament, right? Old Testament, that's what they did back then. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person, Jesus said. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also the fulfillment of the law. Jesus changed things because he had the right to do so. I'm so glad we're under a covenant of grace. Will there be judgment? Yeah, at the end there will be. We as Christians, we won't be judged whether we go to heaven or hell because we've accepted Jesus as our savior. We're guaranteed heaven. But we will be judged on our obedience and the things that we've done and obeyed in what, in what he's asked us to do. Amen? 
called the great white throne judgment. It's the judgment of the believers. So that's why, what's our job? Our job is to understand that the love of Jesus and the love of the Father is unconditional. That he not only went to heaven, but he sent down his spirit to fill us with that same unconditional love, the love of God that never fails, never fades out, never comes to an end. That love is now in us. We can actually love people, love our wives, love our kids with that agape kind of unconditional self-sacrificial choice-based love. That's the love that makes marriages and relationships and churches last. Hallelujah. That's the love that never fails, never fades out, never comes to an end. That's the love that is patient and kind. That's the love that believes the best of every person. Hello? Come on now. That's the love that speaks the best of every person. That's the love that, that turns the other cheek. That's that kind of love. Look at, look at what else Jesus said in verse 44, Matthew 5. But I tell you, love your enemies. Well, how am I going to do that? With the agape kind of love. Well, I don't feel like loving my enemies. I didn't say feel for your enemies because you're not going to feel like loving your enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. Why? Because that's how he loves and he's given us the ability to do the same. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, that was the foundation of the Old Testament law. Jesus says, now I have a revised plan. And God is like, this is the reason I've done all that I've done over the past thousands of years with the Israelite nation. I did all that I needed to do for this very day so that Jesus could be born in a manger on the earth to reveal to the world who I truly am and to restore the original intent of the creation to be in close philos, eros, and storge kind of love in relationship again relationship again. That's what Christianity is all about. In the Old Testament, we see some disturbing things. In the Old Testament, to be right with God, it was a a set of laws, do's and don'ts. You had to keep the law. But in the New Testament, God's heart is on display. We learn that we can't be right with God based on the law. That is why he gave us the cross to let us know that we needed a savior. The Old Testament covenant was an agreement based on the law. If you did this, these are the consequences. But in the New Testament, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free. And you can't you, you just cannot get God to love you any more than he does. No matter what you do. Amen? It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. When I go to a funeral and I see people crying, oh, the Lord, why did the Lord take my son? I just want to go up and slap the preacher for that church that that person attends. Because you have no clue who God is 
you have no personal revelation of the character of God. And how dare you get up in the middle of a funeral and talk about God taking this young person and taking their life early. That's not who God is. God created us, Adam and Eve, to live forever. But because of their choice to rebel, that's when sin and death and destruction came upon the earth. God has nothing to do with death, nothing to do with destruction. God is love. It's not a verb, it's a noun. That's who he is. And everything he did throughout the Old Testament, everything was motivated by that love. Everything. Everything. This is the God we serve. This is a message the church needs to hear. Denominational churches especially that don't understand the grace and the goodness and the love of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his son Jesus. Amen? Let's all stand up. You're probably thinking, oh, Pastor Bob is getting theological. Dang. I was just, one of those messages burning inside me, you know, I just couldn't wait to get here. You know, it's like, if you hang around with me a few hours before church, I talk about the sermon. I, I talk about all these things are coming. They're in you and you got to get them out. Hey, you know what I studied this weekend? <laughs> because I believe this is a message, one of the most important messages in the Bible, really. To understand this, literally, it sets you free. Because if you're under the law and under works and you're under condemnation because of your past, and the mistakes you've made, the sin that you've done, the, 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 the weakness that you've yielded to, that, that is a lie from, that is a religious lie from the pit of hell that God doesn't love you. Because in reality, we all have fallen short and sinned. Amen? We've all done things we regret that we wouldn't want anybody to know about, that the devil will use to try to bring condemnation and guilt but you need to say to those things, no more, no more condemnation, no more guilt. Jesus loves me unconditionally. He chose to love me. Hallelujah. And I'm not perfect. That's why he gave me 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just. That's how much he loves me. To forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's what Jesus did for me to keep me free from bondage and fear and regret. Hallelujah. That's how much he loves me. Jesus created a culture of love and freedom. It's what the church should be all about. We're about freedom. Hallelujah. Freedom. Free to love. Free to serve. That's the song, right? Free to love. How's it going? was a good one. Anyway, what's the first song we sang today about the goodness of God? See, I, I think, I still think today, even though churches like ours preach this message and preach on the, the goodness of God, and, you know, I'll say, God is good, and everybody said, 
all the time. We've been saying that for 30 years, but I still, I still think the church hasn't gotten it because we're, we can be so self-consumed by our mistakes and our guilt and our shame that we never really invite and allow the freedom of God to cleanse us. So that's what I want to do this morning. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray for you this morning. No more guilt. No more shame. No more regret. God has set you free. He's made you a new creature in Christ. All old things, meaning guilt, shame, and regret, have been removed. You've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And you've been placed in this new covenant. A covenant of love, of peace, of joy, health, success, prosperity, fulfillment. That covenant belongs to you. So stop bringing up the past, says the Lord. Stop allowing the devil to remind you of your weaknesses and recognize who you are and how God made you. That God the Father loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you personally and to go to hell for you personally. To bring you into a place in this church, a place of freedom to serve him and to love him and to be friends with him and to be passionate to develop a friendship beyond any friend, a friend that loves greater than a brother. That's the kind of relationship he wants to have with you. Lord, forgive us for our sin. Forgive us for our shortcomings. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for setting us free. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm free. Somebody shout, I'm free. Raise your hands and shout, I'm free. Come on, say, Jesus loves me. Come on, say, Jesus loves me unconditionally. Jesus loves me. This I know. Do you know? Paul prayed that you would know the power of his love. Hallelujah. That's something you need to dance about, shout about. Are you guys getting it this morning? Come on, Jesus loves you. He did this for you. His love is scandalous. Scandalous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, we need like one of those party songs. We need to be dancing or something. Anyway, I know you don't all want to dance because you smell pulled pork barbecue. So, listen. Don't leave. If you have to go, I don't encourage you to go fast, you know. But fellowship with someone. Uh, we got not just barbecues, all the fixings down there. And uh, sit with someone you don't know, perhaps. Get to know them. Uh, so let's just pray over the food, and then you all know, can get in line and, and get your food.